Hey everybody, what's going on? Mark here with a quick announcement before we get started with this week's episode. We got a live show coming up. We do. Yeah. Oh, it's going to be Saturday, June 29th, 5 p.m. at the Thirsty Pug here in Auburn, New York. It is located at 100 Genesee Street in the Genesee Street Plaza near Mesa Grande. So uh, for those of you in town that know where it is, check it out. For those of you that don't, there's an event page on Facebook. You can go there, get the directions if you so want to uh, do that. And uh, yeah, we talked about it for a little while, and Chris uh, yeah. pulled some strings to make it happen. So. How much is this escapade going to cost our good oh, listeners? It's going to be free. <gasps> free? It's a free live show. Unfathomable. For free, you can go I to know. the Thirsty Pug and watch this recorded podcast. The, for live. the very first time in front of an audience. So really, all we can promise is beards, monsters, and access to beer. Yeah, totally. Yes. And we're just going to do our level best. God bless us. I think it's going to be one and all. A, I think it's going to be really good. I I'm just, a, I'm just trying to keep real, the expectations reasonable. I got a good feeling about this, Robert. It's going to be fun. It's going to be. Real. I'm stoked. So again, that is going to be Saturday, June 29th, 5 p.m. Uh, at the Thirsty Pug, Gen- 100 Genesee Street, here in Auburn, New York. No cover, free show, Kryptonite Podcast live, and it's at a beer live. shop. Yeah. So bring money because it's a delicious yep. craft beer shop where you can buy beer, drink beer while you listen, there you and go. then continue to have beer for home or wherever the next step of your journey is. That is true. Yeah, and we'll be there hanging out, you know, uh, before the show and after the show. So, uh, you know, come by and say hi. Yeah, we'll have a little Q&A. Yeah, and, totally. you know, maybe be hanging out. Who knows? Yeah, totally. So there you have it. Without further ado, Christopher Q. That creepy music. Welcome to the Kryptonaut Podcast. I'm Mark Storrs, and with me as always is... Chris Carnicelli. And... Rob Morphy. Thank you all so very much for joining us. Be sure to check out our Patreon campaign at patreon.com slash Podcast. We do bonus audio content. Uh, you get shout-outs, you get thank yous, you get all fun kinds of fun stuff, so go check that out. Um, T Public, you can get some merch there. Same thing with our big cartel shop, where some of the items are going out of stock quickly. So if you're going to want to jump on anything, I recommend doing it now. Those are going to be out of the shop soon. Uh, social media is the Instas, the Twitters, the Facebooks. Be sure to check all that stuff out on our Facebook fan group. Go there. It's super cool, super fun. Lots of cool uh, polls and different posts and things. Yep. You've you've oh, I have been. I yeah. was just there last night. Tons it's, of fun it's stuff. It's awesome. Yeah. Tons of fun stuff. So check that out. Uh, and this week we are talking about the death ship of the South Sea, the Oaring Medan Mystery. Indeed we are. So Robert, going to the high seas. We are. One Man. of the great maritime mysteries. Now, last week we were uh, we were mucking it up in the swamps. We were just getting all kinds of feisty. Yeah, we were. We were just getting all over batwing ships and all kinds what, of shit. What the audience didn't get to hear is literally the hour and a half of friend bickering that we <laughs> indulged in before, <laughs> just dredging up shit from the past and rubbing oh it in. I'm going to say a, a phrase that is completely an in joke that no one but the three of us will get. Scan the bag. Oh, oh my God. Bag, I was just thinking of that earlier scan today. It worked, actually. We went, we went archival. So we were feeling in the sweet, dear friend way, fairly cantankerous. And I think it did carry over into the swamp a little bit. A little Maybe bit. you were too eager to, to kill the swampy aliens. Maybe Chris and I were being sage and well-mannered and trying to be good earthen host. But maybe <laughs> maybe not. Maybe we were wrong. Like, I'm, will, I have a, I'm just more 
open and and able to listen to your point of view this week. I think maybe if we all just accept that we're different people with different opinions about shit that might not exist, I think we'll be okay. Yeah, some of us are more violent immediately. That's true. All right, that sounds... And want to shoot everything on <laughs> command. <laughs> I don't even know what that okay, means. That sounds very I... accusatory. Um, but I'm just no, gonna, I am. I'm, I'm just going to take you. that as your, um, you know, your uh, acceptance of, it, my, it of my stance for wanting to occasionally drink too much and shoot creatures. Occasionally. <laughs> occasionally. And shoot the yeah, unknown. Not a big deal. Shoot the, the unknown. unknown. Shoot the Mark Store story. <laughs> <laughs> but this week we are hitting the high seas. So let's begin with, since the earliest humans first gazed out into their seemingly endless expanse, the world's oceans have been the source of both wonder and terror. For centuries, eerie tales of ghost ships like the Flying Dutchman and the Mary Celeste have been passed down from one generation of seafarer to the next. But as ill-omened as these haunted vessels are alleged to be, there is another even more disturbing maritime mystery that deals not with ships that have been abandoned, but those whose crew have inexplicably perished. Arguably the most disturbing of these legends is the dreadful case of the SS Oring Medan. Death on the high seas. Oh, man. I can't say inexplicably, but you, because my you mouth know, you and know. lips don't allow me to move like that. It was close. I was close. Yeah. yeah. I felt I felt really good. I mean, this well, was good. a this I was knew. a mouthful of an introduction. Yeah. And you hammered through it. I knew the word you were trying to say. And yeah. I just I, it slid a little. My tongue don't work. I have a problem with my tongue, and my lips don't move right. Hey. You know, you, you didn't learn to read until you were 33, and we're all proud of you. Yeah. Actually, 36, but whatever. Thank you for giving me the year. So, Robert, let's hit the open seas there, my dude. I'm very excited about this. According to widely circulated reports, in either June of 1947 or February of 1948, it's a little iffy, multiple ships traversing the trade routes of the Strait of Malacca, which is located between the sun-drenched shores of Sumatra and Malaysia, just beautiful islands, claimed to have picked up a series of SOS distress signals. The unknown ship's message was as simple as it was disturbing. All officers, including captain, are dead, lying in chart room and bridge, possibly whole crew dead. That's not the message you want to get over an SOS. No. You hope that someone fucked it up. Yeah. Like, Terry, did you read that correctly? Yeah, He's like, yeah. I sure did. Yeah. Captain, everyone's dead, really? lying around room. Well, well, who, really? sent, who sent it? Everyone's know. dead. It was just, yeah, well, there. I'm yeah. dead. We're all dead. Cool <laughs> dead. We all died. Help? Yeah. I guess. Could be. All right. Well, let's. Uh, we're we're, we're going to find out. Well, we're not actually going to find out the identity, but we're going to find the context. All right. The communication was followed by a burst of indecipherable Morse code, followed by a final grim message simply stating, I die. Oh. This oh. cryptic proclamation was followed with tomb like silence. So, whoever it was, let's call him. Second mate Stevens. He just had okay. the wherewithal to be like, we're fucked. We're all fucked. Everything's fucked. I'm fucked. Bye. <laughs> so I was right. I'm dead. They're yeah, dead. We're all dead. dead. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what he was hoping to get from this SOS call. Like, oh, yeah, I don't know. Bury me in ancestral ground or something. Yeah. Like, you know. I, I, I don't know. But I, anyway. I, yeah, I guess you're just trying to get the message out. Like, hey, you know. You know, when you find the floating real- cemetery. Yeah. You were warned. We got a real big problem here, guys. The chilling distress call was picked up by two American ships as well as a British and Dutch listening post. The men manning these posts managed to triangulate the source of the broadcasts and deduced that they were likely emanating from a Dutch freighter known as the SS Oring Medan. 
A once conscripted American merchant ship called the Silver Star was the closest to the presumed location of the Orang Medan, and, reacting to the frightful urgency of the message that came over the airwaves, the captain and crew of the Silver Star wasted no time in changing their course in an effort to assist the apparently incapacitated ship. Within hours, the Silver Star caught sight of the Orang Medan rising and falling in the choppy waters of the Malacca Strait. As the merchant craft neared the ill-omened vessel, the crew noticed that there was no sign of life on the deck. The Americans attempted to hail the Dutch crew to no avail. As they got closer, the men of the Silver Star began to notice strange, immobile forms slouched over the stairs and railings of the Oaring Medan, and waves of alarm began to ripple through the sailors. Ah, uh, dude, like you said, man, the floating graveyard. It really is. Yeah. Can you see it? Like you can almost see like the sun dipping behind it, and it's just eerily not moving except the rising and, just and everyone's falling of the all, ocean. Yeah. yeah, you just see these silhouetted figures, just all hunched over and dead. You just. You want, to, I mean, you want to puke in your mouth immediately. They're not taking a nap. Be a weird spot to take a oh, nap. Oh, no. It's not mass well, deck nap time. Yeah. The captain of the Silver Star commanded that a boarding party be sent to investigate. I would not want to be part of that fucking team. No. As the wary assemblage of men left the safe haven of the Silver Star for the Oring Medan, they had no idea that they were about to walk into a living nightmare. Dun, dun, dun. As soon as the party boarded the unnervingly silent vessel, the men realized that the distress calls were not an exaggeration. The decks of the ship were littered with corpses of its Dutch crew, their eyes bulging, arms extended, seemingly grasping at unseen assailants. Faces twisted into rictus masks of anguish and unmistakable horror. See, if you're gonna find like the dead, that's terrible. But when they're all contorted, the and fucked weird up looking, dead. yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, the fucked up dead. My, my favorite one. Yeah, no, the, the twisted dead. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> this is not what you want yeah, to no see, man. It. This is, Plus, no. it's like all horrible right. enough if you stumble upon like a Jonestown scene or something totally heinous like that. Sure. But everyone looks like they're sleeping. Of course, it smells horrible and it's. A vast human tragedy, but when they're all like arms twisted, yeah. faces like locked in terror, no, it's, it's just you're not going to sleep well. It's a bad day for three decades. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. seriously. Or, yeah, yeah. Ever, ever again. Even the ship's dog was dead. Jesus Christ, really? Its once fierce snarl now frozen in a ghastly grimace of agony. Killed the dog. Killed the dog. Something, something dead. The boarding party found the remains of the Oring Medan's captain still on the bridge, while the bodies of his officer were strewn about the wheelhouse and chart room. The ever more terrified search party split up, great call, and discovered the lifeless communications officer still at his post. All right, so we know it was the communications officer. Bearing the same terrified, wide-eyed expression as the rest, his fingertips resting on the telegraph. It was he who had made the desperate plea for help before acknowledging his own imminent demise by typing, I die. Right. Below deck, searchers found cadres of corpses in the boiler room, all in the same inexplicably horrific state. It was then that the Americans began to shiver, it wasn't just the shock of their ghastly discovery that caused the trembling, but a bone-jarring chill that seemed to emanate from the base of the hold, despite the fact that the temperature on the deck was a nearly unbearable 110 degrees Fahrenheit. All right, that's definitely something's going on there. Yeah, the ocean's not that cold. No, no, and it shouldn't be that cold below deck, but... You would think the heat would get kind of trapped. He I does rise, but you would think that it would be like moist and gross down there. Oh. Not yeah, you're freezing. right. Basements are usually a lot cooler, so yeah. that's false assumption on my part. Right, but still, shouldn't be that cold down there. Nevertheless, tremble cold on a 110 degree day. Yeah. 
Try as they might, it was almost impossible for most of these seasoned mariners to hold their nerve while probing this ship of horrors. But, like true professionals, they pushed on with their unappetizing task. Even the more hard-headed officers found themselves anxious and puzzled, noting that although the crew of the Oring Medan had clearly suffered profound physical agony at the moment of their deaths, there was no evidence of bodily injury or any indication of foul play on the swiftly decaying corpses. Stranger still was the fact that they could find no damage to the ship itself. Hmm. Alright, so that's that's the fuck it up. Okay. That's that's where the monkey dick gets thrown in the works. Because nothing wrong with the ship. Right. <clears throat> no sign of foul play, mm -hmm. no injury, just horrible dead, solid ship. Yeah. All right. It was as if every living thing on board had spontaneously been struck down by a sudden and overwhelming burst of heart-stopping terror. That's a medical term. Yeah. Yeah. That's what we of. It's likely that as soon as the derelict vessel had been found, some superstitious old sea dog began to speculate that the ill-fated Dutch crew likely had a run-in with the vengeful sea wraiths. Fucking love oh, sea wraiths. Well, that's man. Uh, when shit goes awry on the sea, you blame the sea wraiths. Always. Yeah, or like Every mermaids time. and shit. Totally. Or harpies sometimes. Yeah. Sirens, if totally. there's music yeah. involved. Restless spirits doomed to wreak havoc on the living. That's what sea wraiths are, of course. Sweet. The unnatural chill coming from the cargo hold would have only bolstered the clout of this theory, at least in the eyes of the naive deckhands. The more pragmatic and fiscally minded sailors would have deemed it their duty to salvage this freighter, and despite the reluctance of some members of his crew, that's exactly what the captain of the Silver Star decided to do. I mean, just because that's, everyone's... That's straight profit. Because everyone's well, dead, yeah. I mean, it's yeah. technically a free ship. Yeah, that's, uh, that's a salvage. Yeah. I mean, does that work for like a lot of shit? Where if you're like, oh look, everyone in the car is dead, free car. I don't. Does I don't work? think maritime law applies to highways. <laughs> oh, is this maritime? Okay, yeah, I know. Yeah, well, not that I'm an expert is, in that either. This is Terra law. Yeah, Terra law. <laughs> Terratime law states, Dude. that if your whole family dies in the minivan, yeah. we can drive by and fucking yeah. scrap yeah. it for Th that's parts. That's the spoils the of shit happens. All your napkins in the glove box, <laughs> mine. <laughs> Sorry, dude, your bike's mine. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> like, see ya. Oh, your kid's got a nice shirt. <laughs> Boom. No, well, he just has to be well, sleeping or something. It's hey, fucking dark. If it's a cool, t what if it's an old Misfits t-shirt? You're gonna take. You know, you're gonna take it. <laughs> All right. Fair enough. You, you don't get, need it. You got me. It's, he's not Egyptian. <laughs> he's not gonna wear it in the fucking afterlife. Oh, it's funny. Yeah, he might. All right, so they law. fucking. They, they, I, they, I, that's I, great. I, I, <laughs> All right, so they uh, fucking take the ship. They're taking the ship. He ordered his men to tether the Silver Star to the Orang Medan so that they could tow this floating graveyard, a phrase we've come to love, nice. of rust and steel back to the port. The crew obeyed the captain's command, but as soon as they attached the ropes, the death ship suddenly erupted with ominous billows of smoke that poured up from the lower decks. And specifically, they noted... The number four hold. So you get this thing ready. You're like, we got a haul, boys. And then boom, fire. You know what? If I'm, here's the thing. I'm already freaked out. But if I'm one of those like grizzled old sea salts that isn't afraid of anything, it's just some dead bodies and fuck it. I fought in three wars and I was a French legionnaire when I was 12 or whatever the fuck this guy is because he doesn't care. I would be like, I tied this whole fucking thing up. <laughs> For and this. now you catch fire? <laughs> yeah. yeah. You cocksucking yeah. ship? You couldn't do this 20 minutes ago. Honestly, I'd say fuck it. We're bringing it back on fire. Like what's the worst that's going to happen? Well, you go it, down with it. Yeah. Jesus Christ. You tow, you tow back rusty fire nothing. Yeah. Because well, <laughs> right? it catches on fire. You keep the, the, the new, the greenhorn deckhands, you keep all the new guys on that rope. And when that thing gets too close, you cut that ship and then you just let the, the, the fucking funeral pyre go down. 
It is like a big giant gotta, Dutch Viking you gotta, funeral. You gotta at least make the attempt at this. You already tied it up. You gotta make the attempt. <laughs> I don't know if they value knots that much. Don't don't matter, dude. This is dude. I'm telling you, I've been in situations like this where not with a ship, but where you do something and you're like, it's fucked, and then you gotta go. We're doing it. Because we I was about to say, you have never been no, in a situation no, anything no, fucking geez. like this. No, not, ever in your not life. with a ship. But just, you know, you're not even with a fucking RV. You've working, never you're been in this situation. Not even a terror time situation like this. <laughs> you were never towing a VW bug that suddenly erupted in flames. You're like, fuck it. I tied the knots. Yeah. We're taking this to the junkyard. I have actually connected. Well, it's, I can't know if I can tell the story <laughs> Smoke's coming not. out of somewhere, but fuck it. Tow it. It had flat tires and we were like, fuck, we don't care. We're dragging it anyway. That's exactly like this. I, st- I stand corrected. I mean, correctly. not really. No, it's not, but we did. All right. Yeah, well, I drove a car with a flat tire. <laughs> I, I did that once. Remember that? I do remember that. I know. To get back to the story, if I may, the boarding party scarcely had a chance to cut the tow line and make it back to the Silver Star before the Orang Medan exploded with such tremendous force that it, quote-unquote, lifted herself from the water and swiftly sank. Man. So it's pretty fucking lucky that they chopped those ropes. The American crew watched the vessel disappear into the briny depths of the Malacca Strait, no doubt breathing deep sighs of relief that the tow line had not dragged them down into the sea with her, and perhaps wondering if whatever it was that had claimed the lives of the Dutch sailors, be it biological, chemical, or paranormal, might not have managed to board the Silver Star with the search party. Sailors are a superstitious lot. Well, yeah, yeah, totally. For many aboard the would-be rescue ship, it would be a long and paranoia-fueled journey back to port. While rumors of the Silver Star's grisly discovery circulated wildly along the trade routes of the East Indies, the first official account of the event would not be printed until May of 1952. That's five fucking years later. In the form of the, quote-unquote, Proceedings of the Merchant Marine Council, which was published by the United States Coast Guard, the testimony therein described the alarming state of the Dutch crewmen even going so far as to state, their frozen faces were upturned to the sun, staring as if in fear. The mouths were gaping open and their eyes staring. To have that in an official report is pretty fucking yeah. visceral. Yeah, that's... That's after. It's a little salacious. Yeah, a little bit. It's going to cause a stir. It will indeed. Yeah. Despite his reference... The first problem modern researchers found with trying to ascertain what happened to the now infamous Dutch freighter is the fact that there didn't seem to be any official records that it existed in the first place. <gasps> oh, a mystery within a mystery. Oh, shit. My friends, it gets deeper. Oh, no. Bring us around. They confirmed that the Silver Star was real, but there was less of a paper trail leading to the Orang Medan. Researchers speculated that the ship likely hailed from Sumatra, which at the time was a colony of the Netherlands in what was referred to as the Dutch East Indies. Okay. And if you ever watch a Barry Prima film, you will understand that the Indonesians were none too happy about that situation. Another story for another time. All right. Researchers also pointed out that Orang is Indonesian for man, and Medan is the biggest city on the island of Sumatra, which would designate this enigmatic vessel as the man from Medan. The old man from Medan. It sounds like a music that you'd hear. It sounds like a, like a song from the 80s. The man from Medan. Author and historian Roy Bainton dedicated years in pursuit of the true story of the death ship. First, he went to the usual sources, but was unable to find any mention of the ship in Lloyd's Shipping Register or the Dictionary of Disasters at Sea. 
which the, I own six the, volumes of. The Dictionary of... And it is just the best read <laughs> you'll ever have. It is bedtime stories for your kids <laughs> for years to come. Oh, that How sounds often? great. I mean, do, is it like annually updated? It would have to be. Well, we've got, look, we've got 26 new entries in this dictionary. I mean, it's not like sea disasters ever stopped at some point. No. They might have lessened because sea travel oh, yeah, yeah. Maybe When now, shit wasn't made of rickety wood, things probably got maybe better. Maybe now they have like a Facebook page that they just update, you know? You yeah, they're just like, hey guys. Uh, uh, like our disasters at sea yeah. Facebook page. <laughs> Updated yeah. bi-monthly. Yeah, I do. Don't drown. <laughs> Don't drown. You know, you have to add that. A little uplifting touch. Oh, jeez. With a not drowning face. I don't know what that emoji would be. Yeah, no. It would just be I, like I, someone happy in the water as opposed to like slumped over. Happy in the water. Happy in the water. Yeah. Happy in the water. All right. Clap your hands. There you go. All, All right. right. So, this fucking awesome dictionary. Bainton researched his way through the United Kingdom Admiralty, the National Maritime Museum in Greenwich, Dutch shipping records in Amsterdam, and the Maritime Authority in Singapore, all to no avail. That's a globetrotting, hardcore fucking researcher. He's got some time on his hands, dude. And some money, apparently. Yeah, Jesus. Just as he was about to give up his investigation and write off the whole thing as an old sailor's yarn, Bainton was contacted by Professor Theodore Searsdorf, of Essen, Germany, who had been pursuing the case for the better part of 50 years and was the first to reveal the names of the two American ships that had heard the Oring Medans, Oring Medans, excuse me, SOS calls. Searsdorfer gave to Bainton a 32-page German booklet written in 1954 by Otto Melke. I don't know if I'm saying that right, but we'll live with it. Entitled Das Totenschiffen der Sudsee, or Death Ship in the South Sea, which detailed the Oring Medans' route cargo, tonnage, engine power, and even allegedly the captain's name. So whoever okay, fucking well, this guy was, whoever Milky Otto is. Milky, yeah. he fucking apparently he had, had all the shit the info. on lockdown. What the fuck? Melky's pamphlet was also the source of the June 1947 date and added yet another compelling piece to the puzzle, which helped to reignite Bainton's interest in the project. This intriguing new bit of possible evidence was that the number four hold of the Orang Medan may have been filled with a pair of exceedingly lethal and highly illegal substances. Mm, According to Bainton, some piracy here. There is a tantalizing possible explanation as to her crew's demise and her disappearance from the records. Milky, Milk, Melky, Jesus Christ. I'm just going to call him Melky. Oh, Belky? It really. Belky? Okay. Fucking. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Melky mentions a mixed lethal cargo on the Dutchman of Zion Kali, Zion Kali, I think it's right, potassium cyanide is what it really is, and nitroglycerin. Needless to say, this would be a dangerous enough concoction in a laboratory with the highest safety protocols, but in a cargo hold on the rough seas, it was a potential catastrophe, one which might explain not only the seemingly inexplicable demise of the Dutch crew, but also the subsequent explosion that claimed the freighter herself. So we could just be dealing with, um, you know, standard chemical A lack of safety protocol. Isn't that well, always the way? A pretty big lack. Uh, I mean, the lackest. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. La- yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. It's like the anti-safety protocols. Yeah, totally. It's like danger right. hold. Number yeah. four is Number danger four. hold. There Everyone knows it. All right. Yeah, don't, don't smoke your cigarettes around and there, And you know boys. what you don't also let? Wow. Sea wraiths fucking man the fucking hold. Yeah. Because you know what they are? Troublemakers. They are. All right. Every fucking time. All right. So we might well. have a possible explanation here, but let's let's move on and see what else we could possibly come up with. Even more terrifyingly, according to Bainton, 
is the conjecture that the Orang Medan may have been smuggling nerve gas or even more insidious biological weapons manufactured by a sinister assembly of Japanese scientists whose experiments were so heinous that many of the atrocities perpetrated by the Nazis in the name of science pale by comparison. This diabolical faction was unassumingly referred to as Unit 731. The fucking yeah. dirtiest. The if you, if our, for our listeners out there, if you don't know, if you don't know anything about Unit uh, 731, there's a couple of documentaries out there. Yes, we're gonna give um, you a brief description in a moment. Yeah, but. But it's and, and there's a couple movies let's just like say this. the man, the man, behind, the the man sun, behind the sun, is what yeah, I'm which of. I cannot recommend yeah. really with good no, conscience. It's terrible. Let's just say this: blanket statement. It's fucked. It's fucked. Fucked. It's so fucked that if Joseph Mangala had visited the project, he'd be like, "Guys, come on, we're human <laughs> beings. Let's show a little decency." <laughs> Even that shit heel might have been like, "Oh, yeah. this is fucked up." The guy who's like sewing twins' asses together to make artificial Siamese twins would be fucking blanching at the shit he saw. Yeah. Unit seven thirty one. No, this is terrible. And he is a fuck all. Yeah. yeah all right. So clearly. obviously that's no Let's, positive endorsement. So now that, of the we, angel now of death. that we've gotten to fucking Unit seven thirty one, where do we go from here, okay. Robert? I'm gonna get a little, little right, description, let's get a little in, info here. Known to nearby inhabitants as the Den of Cannibals, Unit 731 was founded in 1932 by a brilliant yet clearly misguided Japanese bacteriologist named Shiro Ishii. The unit was designed to be a clandestine research and development department whose sole agenda was to create the most deadly forms of chemical and biological weapons known to man and thus ensure the victory of the Japanese Empire over any potential enemy. Ishii established Unit 731, codenamed Tongo Unit. <laughs> this just sounds so fun and innocent. Oh, yeah, I'm part of Tongo Unit. Yeah. We do fucking sweet jungle maneuvers. We surf and do cool shit. He established this during the Second Sino-Japanese War, but didn't really make his terrible mark until he oversaw the construction of a new research facility in the Imperial Japanese Army-occupied Pingfang District of Harbin, China. So they obviously were at war with China. The Japanese occupied a good portion of China. If you watch like a Bruce Lee movie like Fist of Fury or yeah. I, I don't know what the, the title is in the American version, uh, that's where he's playing the Chinese rebel mm. standing up to the Japanese and saying, F off. Right. Yeah. So it's a big part of their culture. It's a big part of why the Chinese don't like the Japanese to this day. And it was on Chinese land that uh, Shiro Ishii built this fucking den of horror. Okay, all right. The den of fuckery. It was there during World War II that the Japanese scientists of his division conducted some of the most deplorable biological experiments known to mankind. Even more inexcusable was the fact that this grotesque cabal used human beings, including women and infants... In their appalling experiments, which included everything from exposure to sub-zero temperatures to the vivisection of human guinea pigs to study the effects of toxic materials on living organs. Vivisection, of course, we all know, is the live dissection of an yeah, entity, it's fucked up. not the dead. Yeah, it's gross. It's, it's some bad shit. Bainton discussed the magnitude of the unspeakable acts they had committed. Unit 731's brief was to find a chemical, gas, or biological weapon to win the war. Hideous, inhumane experiments were carried out on helpless Australian, American, Russian, Chinese, and British prisoners, some of the worst war crimes ever committed. That's an understatement. 
but that nails it. Yeah, when you dig into Unit 731, it's real fucking bad. Oh, it's bad. So, yeah. Despite the horrific nature and results of these diabolical experiments, following the end of the Second World War, General Douglas MacArthur, presumably in the interest of national defense, covertly granted immunity to Ishii and his staff in exchange for providing the U.S. with their biological warfare research. So is this like Operation... Yeah. Um, it's like the opposite of paperclip. Paperclip, yeah. Except would... I would call it like Operation... Dirtbag scalpel. I don't know. I don't know what you get. It's <laughs> like, bag scalpel. I mean, I get you do the things you have to do and sometimes you yeah, make deals with the devil for right. national security. Right. I get all of that. Yeah. I get it's better that it comes into American hands right. than Russian hands right. or what would eventually be the powerful so they're Chinese. They're just, they're, they're pardoning, they're basically getting this guy a pardon just to get his research. 100%. Okay. All right. It is, all right. Well, it's it fucked is a up. deal that rankles up. the senses, but. Yeah. Fucked up. All right. That's what happens. Well, we, you know what? We took Nazis and allegedly got to the moon. But who am I to say? We, we got to the fucking moon. And who, who thanks am, to Werner ooh. Von Braun. Who am I to say? Alleged moon. Right, we're saving that for another day. I cannot go down the moon road right now. <laughs> we have too much to deal with today. Get your moon boots on, right? We're talking oh. about the moon not being real. Continue. We're going to do it eventually. And probably not so socially. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's going to get ugly. Okay. It was in the years following that Baton theorized... These hazardous chemicals and devices of death were packed into the inconspicuous Dutch freighter in order to transport the material to a secure U.S. government facility or some other world power for both safety and concealment. Baton explains his theory. So how was this deadly cargo moved around the South China Sea and through the Straits of Malacca during this troubled period? Not by air. The prospect of a cargo plane crashing with several tons of deadly gas on board was too horrendous to consider. No, you hired an insignificant old tramp steamer, preferably with a low-paid foreign crew, stowed the cargo in disguised, in disguised oil drums, and like all serious smugglers, hoped for the best and a blind eye from authority. Baton surmised that seawater could have entered the ship's hold, reacting with the perilous cargo to release poisonous gases which then caused the crew to suffocate in the open air. And that has to be a dense chemical release. If you're yeah. like in the wide open ocean, which is just full of sea breezes and whatnot, right. and you're suffocating on the fucking deck of a ship. If it's being held sure. in that, yeah, if it's being And the cargo held, hold is one thing. Yeah. I mean, if it's below uh, if it's below deck, but for whatever reason, it has a reaction and it starts wafting up and coming up. I mean, actually, when it, it would get probably pushed up even quicker. Oh, it's a horror show. Yeah, and then you're just you're fucking in a, so if it's like a cloud a, of deadly farts. A hyper-biological agent yeah. or a super, like, anthraxy chemical yeah. thing, mm -hmm. weapon of some sort. I mean, that, that could be... There you go. All fucked up. All because you fucking made a deal with Ishii. Never make a deal with Ishii. Never make a deal you know with what you Ishii. Do? Take Ishii off the table. That's right. Remove Ishii completely. And just destroy it. Like, don't let your enemies get a hold of it. Yeah. But be the better nation. I mean, I know that's not the protocol. The protocol is no more be better prepared. Right. Kill your enemy. I, I mean, I get it. And I'm glad to live free and safe. But some things are just better off destroyed and forgotten. Well. Ancient curses. Ishii's research papers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Ishii's Ishi's card catalog. Yeah, exactly. Fucking set it on fire. <laughs> you piece of shit. All right. Following its discovery by the Silver Star, the unrushing salt water might have reacted with the nitroglycerin, creating the explosive effect that was said to cause the Orang Medan's ultimate demise. Bain even went on to speculate as to why the United States would go to such extreme lengths to expunge all records of the very existence of the freighter. 
If we accept due to the nature of the crew's deaths that she was carrying deadly gas or chemicals, and if indeed she was a Dutch vessel, had the news broken, it would have been a major embarrassment for any government involved, especially in the light of the Geneva Convention. Oh, yeah, that old pesky thing. Yeah, that, that old little needle God, in the side. Huh? Goddamn Geneva Convention. Damn. Hence the dead ends faced by any researcher. The story exists because, like the gases, it escaped. So are we to believe that the ultimate fate of the Orang Medan and her crew was merely a tragic accident that was the result of combining dangerous chemicals on the high seas? Other researchers have suggested natural causes, surmising that the death ship's crew suffered the terrible fate of asphyxiation by clouds of noxious methane gas that gurgled up from a fissure on the seafloor and poisoned the sailors before eventually engulfing the ship. So I've heard about these alleged clouds of sudden methane right. that can just surround you, suffocate yeah. you, you're fucked, you're okay. basically drowning on dry land, sure, okay. or dry deck, I guess as the case may be, and I don't know how it makes a ship blow up, but methane is highly flammable. It's flammable, yeah. So well, maybe if it hits the boiler room and... Right. I, I, do, I mean, I don't know how Dutch freighters of this era no, worked. No, I, I'm, I, I'm, I'm assuming it's like an old train where you're shoveling coal like and I'm, doing fucking I'm pretty dirty good, work. I'm pretty Ooh. solid with methane, but uh, I don't know about how these Dutch freighter technology. I'm not sure what they're powered by. The sea. <laughs> I, yeah. <laughs> I don't know why I thought you were going further with that. Was it? I'm just like, I don't know, no. I don't know how the fuck they work, yeah. man. I mean, I'm, they got an engine room. I'm assuming they got engines. Uh, yeah. Wow. Yeah, there yeah. you go. Good. Yeah. Some sort of fuel. Some yeah. Makes them go. Probably and, and not And this is why you're powered. our engineer. Probably not coal powered though, I'm going to assume. Maybe they just got like regular old engines. Like diesel, perhaps. No, it could be. Maybe, yeah. See, again, you know? I, nineteen I mean it's an old freighter I in think the, I drove it, a boat once and it, I was drunk. It, it's an old freighter like, in the nineteen forties. <laughs> yeah. I don't know how old the freighter Dude, was. I drew, once I once drove a bass boat on a Wasco Lake drunk. That's so, all I got. <laughs> That's all I got for seafaring. So much like earlier you're saying, it's exactly like the same thing. <laughs> I know exactly. what it's like to drive a Dutch freighter through the Malacca Straits <laughs> because I once drunkenly piloted a lake boat. <laughs> there you go. Nailed it. Okay. Hey, that, uh, that bass boat had engines on it. Fair had enough. A little, had a little <laughs> motor. We weren't shoveling coal, Robert. Not yet. So, yeah, no, you thoroughly debunked my idea. Nailed it. <laughs> I'm all for coal power. As rational, though terrifying, no, as I'm the not. thought of a random burst of methane destroying an ocean-going vessel after killing its crew may be, this explanation does not account for the thunderous blast described by the crew of the Silver Star. Unless, of course, there was something flammable. Author Vincent Gaddis, in his 1965 book, Invisible Horizons, put forward the premise that an unobserved fire or failure in the ship's boiler system might have been responsible for the demise of the vessel and all on board. He claimed that carbon monoxide could have leaked up, causing the deaths of all on board, while the fire slowly grew, eventually igniting the fuel, oh, fuel, I think you're onto something there, there. and causing the craft to explode. This might help explain the deaths below deck, but seems implausible that the billowing high seas wind could do nothing to dissipate the gas for those on deck. Yeah, carbon monoxide, I, again, we're not experts on any gases. Carbon monoxide from where? From, uh, from uh, some sort the, of leaking boiler or something, yeah. I think oh. said. Uh, could have leaked. That's all he says. Yeah, he if, if, say from if where. the engine, yeah. It could be so if the, the engine's engine. leaking carbon monoxide, but... Is that so dense that? I mean, it's uh, sea wind I, can't. 
I like make it at least palatable? I don't think it would get up to the deck and be able to do anything. It would just dissipate with the wind, I would think. And we're all experts. I mean, yeah, we've I, really I, established I don't know. that. Yeah, between my, I mean, in uh, all fairness, know, the three power. of us really have focused most of our professional lives on Terratime law. We're, we're, we're land, yeah, we're yeah. Land and, and chemistry, it's true. Yeah. Yeah. the molecules of dioxide and yeah. monoxide. These are the yeah. things we know. So we're, but we're not experts on all things high seas. I we just drove a boat once. You did. Drunk. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, you know what? One time I drove a jet ski drunk. Wow. Wait, you, you were in a boat in Louisiana, almost got eaten by a gator, right? I was in a boat yeah. that tipped, and I was you, holding you, my camera filming a documentary on the Honey Island Swamp Monster, and yes... I came dangerously close to a 15-foot gator, did your but boat, I saved the camera. Did your boat hit the gator? No, it hit a log. It oh, was okay. like a pontoon-type boat, right. but it was going super fast. It hit a log. It tipped. Oh, My arm and shoulder gotcha. went in the water. I had the sagacity to fucking throw the camera to Mike D. <laughs> sagacity. Saved the camera, and I was just looking. There was a stump nearby. I'm like, I got to get to that stump. All yeah. I thought was, I'm All getting right. to that stump. Because yeah. so I thought the full thing was going to flip over. Sure. You're, you, me and you, man, we're on boats. We know what's up, yes. right? Chris, well, we're on a boat? Fuck a boat. <laughs> So I guess that makes of the three of us, you're the admiral because you piloted two boats drunk. <laughs> yeah. I, I guess I'm the first mate because Ace I fucking Skidoo. was in a boat. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right, yeah. At one point. All right, fine. I actually did pilot a boat through the Bermuda Triangle. What? Yeah. You like did? Like a power boat. Just because I was out, it was in Florida, visiting family, having some fun. They're like, hey, no, you yeah, want to sure. go over the Bermuda Triangle? What? You want to drive a boat? And I'm like, to drive a boat in the Bermuda Triangle. You how do you say me about no? this? Really? That's of course amazing. I told you about this. No, you haven't. I, I've not honestly never heard this. This is amazing. You were in the boat in the Bermuda, the Bermuda Triangle? Yeah. In his 1955 book, The Case for the UFO, astronomer, author, and noted UFO and Philadelphia experiment researcher, Morris K. Jessup hypothesized that the crew of the Orang Medan may have been attacked by extraterrestrials for reasons unknown. That's, I, that's, that's kind what? of a jump. Yeah. Morris K. Yeah. I mean, the Philadelphia uh, Experiment itself, though, I love the 80s up. movie. And it starred uh, Michael Pere or whatever his name is. He was oh, yeah. from the Cruisers, I believe. Uh, and, and I was fascinated by the idea of it, especially because it was portrayed as a real thing and people half embedded in fucking walls and stuff like the yeah, whole molecular really content got all fudged up. Um, but I think it's pretty compelling uh, evidence that... It was just an anti-gaussing procedure that turned right. into a huge legend that probably doesn't have a lot of merit. Maybe I'll do the f- solid research sometime and we'll deal with it, but right now I'm real dubious on So that. it was for unknown reasons they were attacked by aliens? Regardless of any extraterrestrial connection, Bainton and others have further proposed that the records may have been eradicated by a savvy group of governmental conspirators to conceal the fact that the Orang Medan was transporting illicit materials for the Allies following World War II. So he's also kind of agreeing with Baton's theory. All right, okay. Despite the fact that the United States Coast Guard seems to have confirmed the tale and that other noted nautical authors have invested so much time and so many resources in availing themselves of the truth of this incident, skeptics insist that the whole story is nothing more than a good old-fashioned seaman's fable. And until the day some intrepid and perhaps a bit unlucky, Salvager stumbles across the Orang Medan's watery grave it's likely to remain an unsolved horror story firmly entrenched in the salty realm of maritime myth. All right, so we got aliens and chemical mm. weapons. Or it didn't happen at all. Or it didn't, or it happen, didn't at happen at all. all. Can we work a Sasquatch into this, you Sure think? can. All right. Swim Squatch. Oh, Stop Swim Squatch. The Aqua Squatch. Yeah. The, oh, yeah, the Aqua Squatch. That's oh, Aqua Squatch is so much yeah. better. Thank you. Swim Squatch. Just fucking get rid of that. <laughs> swim, swim. Swim. Just, just 
Swim you know what? That was, no. beta. that was a beta program. No, yeah. that's gonna be that's a shirt. <laughs> <laughs> Swim squatch for yeah. the aqua squatch. All right, so I would like to think that maybe somewhere in here we could pick apart some sort of like alien connection, but it's brought off real, real briefly, and there's nothing to really support it. So I don't know, Rob. Make me believe in aliens. All right. Why? Why? I don't know where Morris K. Jessup <laughs> came up with this. I okay. don't know why. He even said for reasons unknown, but. Um, if indeed they were transporting some truly heinous, dangerous shit that Douglas MacArthur and all his good Pacific <sighs> conquering wisdom deemed necessary to bring to civilized areas for, I don't know, safekeeping and, and, right. and the, you know, furtherance of fucking the American defense, uh, an extraterrestrial society might be like, oh, fuck you. Because Ishii was way ahead of the curve. I mean, he, he was brilliant. There's no denying it. He was a fuck all. Right. A turd burglar, a shitbag, but he was fucking brilliant. So he might have pioneered some shit, maybe unlike things we even have today. So you think maybe this could be, yeah. for some unknown reason, like an alien, well, we know the reasons, but some sort of like alien intervention where they pop down, they're like, oh shit, no, you don't do that. And then they fucking wipe it out. And let's deal with alternate ideas. I mean, if they are creatures, like some have suggested, like we've proposed many times, that share our planet, even if it's in some different parallel version of it or right. some hidden realm within it or who, some pocket reality, whatever you want to call it, right. the super spectrum. If this is their world as much as ours, they could be like, oh no. Because if, especially what would worry me more than anything, chemical stuff is horrible and brutal, yeah. but, but sure. bacteriological fucking bio warfare, that shit goes like the stand. <clears throat> yeah. Wicked quick. Yeah. So you got like, if, if he developed like super Ebola before it was even cool, and you literally shit out, sneeze, and bleed fucking bacteria, and everyone within a fucking 30-foot radius gets it, and it just would spread exponentially. If it's their planet, too, they might be like, fuck it, we got to save the world. Right. Now, again, I don't think They're necessarily Jessup was fucking saying any of this, right. but you asked me to make you believe, and All this right. is the best guess <laughs> I have on the fly. Yeah. Well, I mean, hey, you know, we're just we're trying to get that we're trying to work that alien angle in there. But let's just go right to the that maybe yeah. these guys were in fact smuggling some sort of like uh, chemical weapons and bacteriological weapons or you know whatever. So much of these gases, I really I don't yeah. see how the the mystery isn't like how a ship blows up, right. especially an old freighter with combustible gases and whatnot. You know, in, in uh, the high rough seas of the mm. Malacca Straits, um, that's not a mystery. The mystery is death sudden right. uh where you know it's not like they were crawling to each other and holding each other it's not like they were found found in sitting positions where they sat down because they were in so much pain they were trying to deal with it mm. it's like they were stricken right where they fucking stood right. instantaneously yeah or at least so that's really the mystery pretty quickly thereafter which if it was some sort of chemical weapon you know chemical weapon that was released and that would probably depending I mean, on how fast does a nerve depending agent work on, i don't know i guess it depends on what it is Really, True. and how quickly yeah. it reacts So with it you. goes back to if it was uh, a Unit 731 experiment right. or something similar to that, uh, and it was something that could kill that fast, that brutally. That, to me, is, is a fascinating mystery, not on the paranormal front, but that it, if it survived, if samples of it did survive and, and, and MacArthur ended up getting into whatever hands, and you know... America absolutely has biological warfare labs, despite the Geneva Convention. Every major power does. Every industrialized nation. It's like having a nuclear power. Yeah, it's the same thing. You Except have, you that you're one. not supposed to have that. Right. There's no right. treaty about yeah. the nuclear. There's treaties about this. Right. But we have it, and we have it 
in case, I don't know, the worst case scenario or whatever. Right. So if any of these survive to make it to these labs, um, I guess the real mystery would be like if there was an outbreak today, yeah. how far could it infect? Right. How is it? Is it like is it biological and does it spread mm -hmm. super quick? It doesn't seem like a disease. A disease that moved that quick. It's almost unfathomable. No, it sounds like it like, sounds chemical. Yeah. Like, uh, like oh, a, absolutely. Yeah, like you were saying, like a nerve agent or something. So I mean, and, all right. and, and it's dense enough so that again, so many of the crew was on the deck. Right. Right. And sea winds. Well, and I whatnot. mean, maybe it was a combination of things too. Why not just one? There could have been three or four different things on there. Yeah. That like coalesced into yeah. like a super death. Yeah, absolutely. You know, or maybe one was just a nerve thing that didn't wasn't really quick. But then if you had something else like a cyanide on right. top of something, you mean something else, like yeah. a nerve agent that like put your body into instant rictus, so you froze where you were, sure, mm -hmm. fell, and then you maybe slowly uh. sat there and asphyxiated. Sure. Yeah. Totally. Well, I could some bacteriological thing or some other yeah. fuck all. I yeah, mean, wherever I mean, this thing was in the hold, if for whatever reason it reacted, if it's down there, it's going to make its way out. It's not just going to sit in the room. It's going to just kind of waft its way out. So if it's coming up, depending on wherever the hold is and how the deck is set up, however this thing is going to come up, if they're going, if they're, you know, shooting through and the wind is just coming, like, let's say, towards the nose of the ship, it's just going to blow it all back at everybody. If, like, hold four is in the front. So where, yeah, where, wherever this thing is situated, it very well could just come up and just blast everybody. I just with find this chemical. that unless it's like literally Which would the make quickest sense for a quick acting death. agent ever. Yeah, and it would have to be to to right. you know okay. Except for the fucking communication guy, which could like, tap out some mad shit. I die. Like he he's not even just talking about the captain of the crew being dead, but like they're in the galley. Right. Cook Cook was making donuts. We were all looking you forward know, or, to it. Then he died in the fryer. Or yep. wherever in the hold that it actually escaped as people were just doing their shit. If maybe they didn't notice it or whatever, they just all start dropping, and then everyone's like, "Oh shit! What you know? What's going on below deck?" And that's when the guy's tapping out his message until eventually he ends up getting it. It's it's almost like the fog, like it just kind oh, of it's creeping up like on you. Yeah, it's creepy. All right, so like chemical, that ship, uh, that ship is completely on the no, fucking high fucked. seas now. Yeah, totally. Like it's a burned out Man. husk with yeah. like fucking totally the the fog esque wraiths. Yeah, fucking riding really. it, just waiting to poison whomever they touch. So, and there's another thing just that that has uh, to be mentioned that kind of steers us away from bacteriological. Um, and that the chemical, whatever it was, must have been so fast acting that it, it also dissipated like lightning because nobody on the rescue freighter yeah. was described as becoming sick. No, no. Fall, you know, falling immediately ill, throwing up on the ship, Which very, dying very well moments could, it, later. It, it right. could dissipate by the time that they got there. And it's not there. like they didn't go below deck. Well, they, so they granted, it took a couple hours to get there. So right. that gives you a little time. But I mean, in the lower holds... If it was a chemical leak, you would think mm -hmm. there'd still be enough there if it can literally drop everyone within a right. hot second. All right. That could be. I'm shocked be. that... that So that actually just adds to the mystery. Yeah. Making it pretty clear to me, it's sea wraiths. All right. So Rob's going with... Uh, are you going to go with sea wraiths? Oh, the gonna angry wait? demons of the sea... Listen, the seas are vast and inscrutable, and they are the biggest part of our planet. They offer the most living space. Things are being discovered there all the time, most of which, of course, we recognize as biological. We're cryptid fans. That makes sense. But who's to say there isn't, like, anti-abyss-like undulating hell things that if you're fucking up and carrying, like, say, super dangerous chemicals, you're like, right. oh, you're going to fucking leak this in my ocean? This is my home, Wrong. bitch. Just like the Cetopians in Godzilla versus Megalon. Yeah. Too much pollution go. 
demands revenge. Yeah. All right. That's so a deep cut. I know. So people. Vengeful sea wraith saying, fuck you. All right. Fuck your chemicals. Fuck your war. Fuck off. All right. I'm saying. Uh, and they all got strangled. That's why they looked like they were grasping yeah, at unseen yeah, assailants. Just, oh, they even gnarly. killed the dog. Because they, they don't care. fucked up, man. Why would you kill a dog? Sea rays man. don't give fucks. I, apparently they don't. Yeah, they kill everything. All right, fine. Whatever. Fuck you, sea rays. Leave the dog alone. Yeah. Uh, Chris? But I'll tell you what. They're going to be a key ally against the ultra-terrestrials. They could be. We're going to have to We're gonna have to forge alliances that we didn't think possible okay. and we usually wouldn't right. go for. All right, Chris. Sea rays are one. Christopher, thoughts, concerns, questions? Uh, it didn't happen. None of it happened. All right. Oh, there you go. <laughs> That's the easiest one right there. None didn't of it happen. happened. I happen. think there's a lot of compelling evidence that it happened. Regardless of sea wraiths, I, mean, I really do actually, think that there's a lot there's a, of sure. compelling there's only evidence. One but dude, I know it's Otto Milky's fucking dude's pamphlet. Oh, yeah, 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 like yeah, he's yeah. just printing pamphlets. I mean, I don't know if I trust him. He's at airports really handing out yeah, pamphlets. Seriously, like he's just printing You're pamphlets. You're saying pamphlet Guys, guess like what it's happened? a dirty word. Like if somebody prints a pamphlet, it's suddenly dubious yeah, and shitbag. Dude, when you're, you're not doing a zine or a fucking newspaper. Like, a zine is a fucking pam- pamphlet, basically. It's, not, it's like a, it's like a, I'm thinking a pamphlet. Oh, it's like a little, I am not going like to argue semantics. Like, Here you go, here's my pamphlet. So you trust a zine, but not a pamphlet. I'm, I'm, I'm concerned about paper size. It makes me think of you as a different person. So integrity v. paper size. <laughs> yeah. Do you have like a fucking chart? <laughs> yeah, I, I do. <laughs> so the Declaration of Independence is impunable because exactly. it's big fucking paper. That's exactly. what I mean. If it was Biggest parchment. Biggest paper you ever seen, baby. Or oh, if it was boy. carved in stone and he was handing those out. Yeah, exactly. Oh, it would well, be different. tablets are different. Yeah. 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 Like, yeah, oh, it's truth. But. but I mean, there's one. So, uh, all right. Size of the paper aside. There's <laughs> one. There's fucking one dude with a pamphlet oh, from Germany. Mr. Milky. Who's like, oh, yeah, no, this is what I've, you know, heard. So he might have talked to an original maybe eyewitness. Look, maybe yes, he's trying to like auto <laughs> maybe info. Have. Maybe he's trying to get the info out, or maybe he's just some fuckhead, you know, conspiracy right, right theorist, dumb shit, yeah, some crazy crackhead. German I look to just see fucking his, yeah. out his other pamphlets. Yeah, That's well, yeah, true. Moon who? Yeah. Remember that one? <laughs> Remember that pamphlet? Ah, uh, yeah. Well, fuck. Hollow flat earthware. Oh. How flat earthware? How no hollow flat. Oh. Yeah, not how. Hollow. Either way, it's a cone, dude. It's a cone. Oh. No, what the fuck is a cone? See, it's not flat. flat. It's a cone? No, it's a flat. I get more and more mad it's like about a, this. It's like a flying citadel. Yeah, exactly. There's always got to be ground. You have to, it's clearly hollow. We've established that. Admiral Bird told us. Well, it's not going to be flat and hollow. Because it's a cone. Just the Admiral surface Bird told is flat. us none of that at all. <laughs> nah, for the yeah. Because Otto Milky didn't include it in his pamphlet. <laughs> oh. He should have. I know that you love zines and I love zines and Chris loves zines, but I don't want you to trust Mr. Milky's pamphlets. I don't. All right, I don't fair. have a good faith in it. It makes me nervous. All right, let's talk As about... As a friend, Roy, I need to warn you. Roy Baton's globetrotting expedition. Okay. Where he found not a lot of evidence. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm conceding. <laughs> but... Oh, my God. Still felt there was some merit. <laughs> <All> right, <laughs> felt. Felt. After reading Otto Mulkey's God damn it. At least oh, you know I'm honest. All right, Chris I'm calling may, it. Chris Fuck. may have uh, discovered that, in fact, the Oaring Medan is the fucking... It's a great the, fucking story. It is a great story. Totally. Yeah, well, yeah. it's terrible, yeah. but it's a I great mean, it's, sea yarn. Yeah, totally. It's totally what you expect going back to the Fog, John Houseman, to be telling the kids about on the beach at the right. beginning of the Fog. Well, it just yeah. feel, it feels cinematically like a movie. Oh, like, all of a sudden, there's this, and then all of a yeah, sudden, there's oh, the no. room, and then there's the mystery, and then I'm like... It all it sounds good. builds. Yeah, totally. It follows this pattern totally. of story, like telling. All right. Well, I mean, I, you know, hey, I think we nailed it. 
I think so, it's there. Sea wraiths. Sea- We're all in agreement. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Addendum. Yeah. <laughs> nope. Sea wraiths. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sure. Thank you for joining us for the Kryptonite Podcast. Oh, thank you, everyone, who contributes to our Patreon campaign. Be sure to check that out. It is patreon.com slash Kryptonite Podcast. Uh, this month, we are reaching back into the archives to dig out episodes that we may have shelved at one point, but we uh, have uh, adjusted them and they are out for uh, listen, people to listen to, right? Absolutely. Is that what we did? Yeah. I That's mean, what they could have been we did. lost in the archives, just like uh, we pulled them out. Raiders of the Lost Ark's yeah. uh, fucking great Lost Ark. Jesus Christ. Yeah. I drew a blank <laughs> on the name Lost Ark oh, wow. after literally saying what was that? Raiders of the Lost Ark. Of Raiders of the Lost Ark. Object of Here gold. You go. Yeah. Rectangle the, of love, the, the box. Of angel box, love. So yes. be, <laughs> the angel box. Be sure to sign up for our uh, but Patreon now it is campaign. Found. Yep, and we it has we, been discovered they're, they're and out. Little, little, maybe they were a little drunken. Maybe they it's were okay. a little haphazard. It's a good time. Maybe they were a lot of fun. They were. They were tons of fun. So check that out again. That is Patreon.com/slash Podcast. Social medias, uh, and this is Twitter's and Facebook. Check us out there. Ratings and reviews are helpful. iTunes, Apple Podcasts. We got some news, boys. iTunes is going away. Apple is uh, taking it out of uh, whatever fucking rotation, and they're going to have the Apple Podcast app. So pretty soon, all okay. we got to say is just rate and review us in the Apple Podcast app. I guess app. that's why they wanted us to emphasize it so there much. They're always looking be. to break the two up. Could be. Could be. So there you have it. Thank you, as always. And we're talking to you soon. Bye. Lost fucking arc. Seriously? Lost arc, dude. Jesus it happens, Christ. man. Never. Look at dude, it happens. We had a look at last week's episode took a lot out of us. It affected <laughs> others more. It affected others more. I did I did I really hobbled you for days. It, I know. It was it was uh, a tough one. No, not the swamp, the other one that we recorded. No, I, me for I days. know exactly. Okay, yeah. No, one that uh I think I think should see we, release. We, we will, but we'll talk about that. We'll, we'll we're going to talk. We'll we talk. have to have a team meeting. Yeah, we I, have I to know. have a, a corporate meeting. First off, we have a team building exercise as we're all going to fall in each other's arms. <laughs> yeah. No, and what's going to happen is I'm going to listen Chris, to it. Chris is going to accidentally delete ha- it. A half an hour, I'm, I'm going to call Mark and I'm going to be like, dude. This is fucking terrible. Let's delete it. Yeah. We'll see. We'll it, see. It was it was a new challenge for us. It, it was, really was. It, we may have, I may have failed at this challenge greatly, but you know what? It's okay because we live, we learn. We do. And here we are talking about a ghost ship that might not be a ghost ship, but we're talking to you soon. See, Rafe. Bye. Wraith of the Seas. Ha! <laughs>